Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Could you find Hebrews chapter 2? The book of Hebrews, chapter 2. The book of Hebrews, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Hebrews, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. I will be reading the first three verses from the Amplified Bible. After we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you this morning for your holy written word, knowing that we can trust our lives to its provisions. Thank you also for the Spirit to guide us into all truth. Thank you for receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds. Thank you for the anointing, dear Father God, to bring forth the truth and demonstration of your Spirit and power, that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Thank you for watching over your word to perform it, I believe seeds of life to be sown in the hearts of the people to bear fruit, dear Father God, in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Since all this is true, we ought to pay more, much closer attention than ever to the truth that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. For if the message given through angels... That is, the law spoken by them to Moses was authentic and proved sure. And every violation and disobedience received an appropriate, just, and adequate penalty. How shall we escape? Verse 3, Hebrews 2. How shall we escape? <clears throat> appropriate retribution if we neglect, underline neglect, and refuse to pay attention and refuse to pay attention to such a great salvation as is now offered to us, letting it drift past us forever. For it was declared at first by the Lord Himself, and it was confirmed to us and proved to be real and genuine by those who personally heard Him speak. We've been talking about the neglector. We have defined a neglector as being one who omits the performance of certain spiritual duties, and obligations. And he does that because he does not pay attention or give appropriate or adequate attention to the things of the Spirit of God. The things, of course, that are spiritual. The things that pertain to salvation. I want to begin by saying once again, really repeating once again, the fact that these messages are not designed to produce condemnation. They are designed to produce godly, reverential fear. And the only way we can have fear, see the Lord shared this with me, is by preaching the judgment of God. Did you know that? How many of you know that? People will live a life free from fear of God if they don't understand the judgment of God. But once they understand the judgment of God, see our God is a God of justice as well as a God of mercy. And that's why Jesus told his disciples, or told the Pharisees and scribes rather, that they should have taught judgment, mercy, and faith. 
as well as tithing. He's a God of mercy and faith, yes, but He's also a God of judgment. Well, what's the purpose of preaching and teaching judgment? To instill godly fear into the lives of people. You see that? It's important that we understand that. Because, you see, godly fear can be a motivating force. You realize that? It'll motivate you to do what you're supposed to do for God. It'll motivate us not to neglect our salvation. See, one way of saying it's like this. The same God who is responsible to allow blessings to come upon us for obedience is also obligated and responsible to allow the curse to come upon us for disobedience. Did you know that? See, God hasn't changed. He's never changed. He's always been this way. Read throughout the Old Testament. Read through the book of Deuteronomy. You'll find out there are always blessings for what? Obedience. Curses for what? Disobedience. So, if we're willing and obedient, then we'll eat the good of the land. If we refuse and rebel, we'll be devoured by the hand of the enemy. Because you serve not the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart and abundance of all things, you'll serve your enemies. See, all those scriptures are true. And, of course, they reveal to us the judgment of God. God doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't plan for that to happen. To be quite frank, He'd want us to stay as far away from His judgment as we possibly can. Each and every one of us. I mean, as far away from it as we possibly can. But you see, we have to teach it so that godly fear can be instilled within the heart of the believer. Otherwise, they'll just live a life according to their own standards of righteousness, do their own thing, and think that everything is apropos with God. And that's not true. Amen. So these particular messages have been designed to produce not condemnation, but godly fear. And I believe that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And when people begin to fear and reverence the holiness of God, then you see they're motivated to serve Him as they should and side up with His mercy and His love. Amen. So that's just a reminder. We've been talking about the neglecter because I've been instructed of the Lord to address the unrighteous and the righteous. We've addressed the unrighteous already. We're now addressing the righteous, those who are in Christ, born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb. We classified them in different categories. We said there's this, the willful sinner. And that's the person who just deliberately walks away from, turns away from his righteousness to live a life of self-gratification and sin, to do his or her own thing in life. Disregarding, of course, the commandment of God. And we talked about that. And then, of course, we said there's the neglector. We define a neglector as being one who omits performance of certain duties and obligations, spiritual duties and obligations, as outlined, of course, in the Word of God and things that may be said by His Spirit to us. Well, let's just note this. The hour has come for all neglectors to give the more earnest tea. Did you notice this scripture said we ought to give the more earnest tea? Look at verse 1. Since all this is true, we ought to pay much closer attention. Notice, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard. Amen. Now, in the King James, of course, it says we ought to give the more earnest heed, which means the same thing. We have to pay closer attention. Why is the neglector a neglector? Because he fails to pay closer attention to the things that he has heard. She fails to pay closer attention to the things that she has heard. 
So that's how we become neglectors. We omit performance of certain things by not giving proper attention to those things. And so today we want to talk about the neglector and continue our, our series here, The Hour of Decision. And let me just state the fact once again, the time has come that the neglector must begin to give the more earnest heed to the things that he or she has heard concerning what? Concerning salvation. Pay closer attention than ever to the truth that we have heard less in any way that we drift past them or let them slip away or as the Greek would say, let them leak out. You know what that means? They leak out of your spirit. Do you ever find yourself in a position where you've neglected the study of God's Word? And because you've neglected the study of God's Word, Scripture's didn't just come up as automatically and as quickly as they once used to? What happened? Well, that scripture began to leak away. Began to leak out. Losing out spiritually. See, something began to leak out, drift out. Just leak out of your spirit. See, spiritual things are real, tangible. They can leak out of us if we don't give attention to those things. And so, you see, if we neglect the things of salvation, then the writer says we're in danger of having those things leak out of us. And when those things leak out away from us, since God watches over His Word to perform it, there's nothing for Him to watch over to perform in our lives because the Word begins to leak out. See, it's not as strong spiritual force as it once was. So the writer here is saying that there's a danger to neglecting the things that we've heard. And so we don't want to omit some of these performances that we should be performing, of course, for the Lord and, of course, for our own spiritual growth development. Now... It says here that there is no escape. I want you to notice verse 3. How shall we escape appropriate retribution? How shall we escape? And if you read on in Peter, you'll find out the corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter said that we've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, through the knowledge of the truth. Well, if we don't give close attention to what we have heard, and if we don't begin to walk in the light of it, how shall we escape? How shall we escape? The judgment of God. How shall we escape the forces of evil coming against us and overcoming us? In other words, how can we escape all these things without paying close attention to the things that we have heard about salvation? And that word soteria in the Greek just means full deliverance. Total deliverance for the spirit, for the soul, for the body. That's the easiest way I can say it. It means deliverance that comes to us. How? Through the message of God that came by angels, that came by the Spirit of God, through the lips of Jesus, by the Father, and was confirmed to us by those, His apostles, who walked with Him. How shall we escape the problems that we confront every day? How shall we escape the judgment of God? How shall we escape all these things that confront us in life if we neglect so great a salvation? That's the question that he asks. And really, there is no way. There's no other way of escape. God has made a way of escape. The Bible says that there's no temptation given to man except for that which he's able to bear. God's not going to allow it. That God will also with the temptation make a way of what? See, God has made a way of escape. But we have to pay close attention to his way. If we don't pay close attention to the things that we have heard, then the way of escape has escaped us. It's leaked out from us. Amen. And you don't want that to happen. You want to know the way of escape and walk in the light thereof. Now, if you would, please, turn to, well, turn to it if you like to. If you know it, we'll just quote it. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22 illustrates this. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says, My son, attend or give attention to. 
Give attention to what? My words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health unto all their what? Okay. He said then we ought to pay closer attention to the thing that we've heard. Well, what have we heard? We've heard the good word of God. The writer said there, My son, attend to my word. Give attention. Pay close attention to the things that I've spoken to you in my word. Wisdom is speaking into us saying the same thing. Pay close attention to what I've said. We ought to pay the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard, lest we let them slip. Why? Because if we let them leak out, now notice, His words are life to those that find them, health to all their flesh. He has no avenue through which He can bring health and life. If we don't pay attention, or if we neglect these things, if we omit these things. See, you might think, well, I've neglected my study of the Bible, I've omitted to pray, and I've omitted all these things, you know, and you wonder why your spiritual condition is weakened. You wonder why God is unable to move on the scene and to bring deliverance and help. You know that He's God, you know that He's able, you know that He's even willing and eagerly yearning. Yet, we don't experience this great hand of deliverance. Why? See, God's not saying these things to be mean or to make us work hard. He is stating facts to us. Because of our condition, because of our makeup, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, it will take diligence in our lives. It will take our paying close attention to what He has said so that He can, through what He has spoken, His Word, Watch over His Word and perform it in our lives. Do you see that? We have got to give the more earnest heed to what He has spoken because that is the avenue through which He delivers us and sets us free. That's the avenue through which He brings salvation to us in spirit, in soul, and in body. So, my son, attend to my words. So, if you don't attend, you see, once again, you omit that and we understand that, and we should repent for that. But the problem is this. Even though you repent and get forgiveness for omitting it, you're still not in a condition spiritually to receive help. Why? Because the Word is not active, it's not alive, it's not living within. You see, the power that's in that Word began to leak out because of a lack of diligence, because of neglect. Amen. And so, you see, it's important that we understand that this is how the kingdom of God operates. God doesn't arbitrarily just begin to throw things out of heaven our way. He has set these things in motion through His great plan of redemption. And it's our responsibility and duty to activate these things. How? By paying close attention to what He has said. Now, in Romans chapter 12, uh, Janie read it this morning. We're going to read it once again. We want to very quickly talk about some of the things that we should not neglect, major things that we should not neglect. And we started right here. We're going to pick it up and go a little bit further and go on. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading again from the Amplified Bible. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Now notice. To make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties 
as a living sacrifice, wholly devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Then he goes on and says, And don't be conformed to this world, to its external superficial customs, but be transformed and changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, even the thing in which, uh, which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. We said the most important thing not to neglect after salvation, in other words, after coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, the most important thing not to neglect, and this is an obligation, this is a duty of ours, it's an act of spiritual worship that we have. Do not neglect this one thing, first and foremost, the presentation of your body and of your soul. We are obligated, we are under solemn duty, and responsibility to present our body and soul to God. See, salvation in its initial form affects the human spirit. The spirit of man is born again. You receive the life and nature of God. But the soul and the body is not affected. You don't receive eternal life in your soul. You don't receive eternal life in your, in your body. That comes through the study of God's Word. That comes as an act of sacrifice. And believe me, it is an act of sacrifice. Because your soul doesn't want to do it. Because your body doesn't want to do it. So we have to offer our bodies up to God and our faculties up to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We do that in exchange for what? Well, he went on to say, so that you could know what is the good, perfect, or acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. See, many have never entered into the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for their lives because they have neglected, there's that word again, their salvation. What do you mean? They have omitted something. The performance of something. Of what? Of a decisive dedication of their bodies, their faculties, their souls, their will. They have not surrendered themselves over to God totally. See? In other words, I trust you for the salvation of my spirit, but don't mess with my soul. This is the way I want to do things with my life, and this is the way I'll do it. See, that's the wrong attitude. In other words, I want to do my will in life. But once you have entrusted your spirit to God, it's of utmost importance, my brother and sister, that we yield our will to God. We'll never receive the revelation of His will for our lives, the good, the acceptable, or perfect will of God for our lives without first making a decisive dedication, consecration of our bodies and faculties over to God. In other words, when you say, not my will be done in my life, but thine be done. When you say, I yield my body members over to you to be used for your purpose to accomplish your will in my life, then and only then can God give you in exchange for that act of dedication what is His good, acceptable, and perfect will. See, there's an exchange that takes place. But notice, God gave first. For God so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son. And once He does that, then what do we do? We give ourselves to God. Not only in spirit, but we give Him our soul and we give Him our body to be used as a vessel of honor to do His will, you know, in our lives. 
And because many have not done that, they've omitted that. They just go through life in a wilderness experience in Christianity. Do you know what that is? You can live out the full length of your days in the wilderness, but never making it into the promised land. That means that you'll never experience the best that God has. Spiritual things will be indistinct. And your walk with God will not be as it should be. God will be on, only be able to bless you in a limited way. Not according to the fullness of the blessings of Christ. Only in a limited way. So you say, how do I receive all that? This is how. Don't omit this. Don't neglect this. I did this first thing when I first got saved. I didn't understand what I was doing. I was moved or motivated by the Spirit of God. That's all I, I didn't know what I know today about the Bible. But I got on my knees in that old milk crane of mine. And I just stayed before God and said, I give myself to you. Fully, totally. I yield myself to you. And my only desire is, is to have your wisdom, to have your mind. That I may do your will for my life. Just like Solomon's prayer. And I didn't know that Solomon prayed. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. But that's how I prayed. And then slowly but surely he began to unfold the good, the acceptable, and perfect will that he had for my life. Oh, I can't tell you the, how important this is, my brothers and sisters, especially you young people out there. You want to know what God's will is for your life. What are you going to do with your life? Your career. You know, you can get involved in doing something and spend 10 years in preparation for it and get to that point or place in your life that I don't want to do this. Or it doesn't pan out, doesn't work out. And you can waste many years of your life doing this. I'll tell you, it'd be a whole lot easier to stay before God, get before the presence of God and say, I make a total, decisive dedication, consecration of my life to do your will. You have the blueprints. They're drawn up. My steps are ordered of thee. And I consecrate myself to you so that I may, in exchange for my will, have your will for my life. That those steps that you've ordered for me may be revealed to me, line upon line, precept upon precept, that I may be sure that every step I take is ordained from above. And my brother and sister, I guarantee you, by the counsel of the Most High God, that your life is going to be a whole lot better. I mean, you're not going to, to go through places in your life that you spend years and years in preparation for something that you're going to end up not doing. God will prepare you for the thing that He has and all that He prepares you for, you see, will enable you to fulfill His will. So let's not forget this. This is so important. Now let me show you this in the Word. Look at Proverbs chapter 16. And once again, I'm reading from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Proverbs chapter 16. And if you're a young person out there, or just really anybody out there, and you've had a problem with this, understanding the will of God for your life, I want you to know that this is your prayer that you should be praying. This is what you should be doing. I mean diligently. I mean not neglecting this. I mean diligently. I mean paying close attention to this. Giving all the more earnest heed to the things that you're hearing right now. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. The plans of the mind in orderly thinking belong to man. But from the Lord comes the wise answer of the tongue. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts, and the intents of the heart. So, roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to Him. Now notice, He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to His will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. 
If I was a young person, getting ready to graduate high school, uh, thinking about contemplating going to college or, you know, wanting to know what to do with my life, I tell you what, I'd take a hold of that scripture right there and say, Father God, I roll the works of my life upon you. I roll the works of my life upon you. I say before your most holy presence and I just entrust you to my whole life. Cause my thoughts to become agreeable to your will that my plans may be established and I may succeed. That would be my heartfelt prayer unto God on a daily basis. I roll my works upon you. I trust you with my life. Father God, cause my thoughts to become agreeable to your will. If you're out there and you need to get married, you want to get married, you know that's part of God's plan for your life. The same thing is true here. I cause, cause my thoughts to become agreeable to your will for my life. Who's the person I should marry? Send that person across the path of my life. I'm looking to you, Father God. I trust you with all these important decisions in life. I look to you and stay there before God. And be diligent to stay there before God. And don't give up on it. Amen. Don't neglect these things. See, don't omit these things. It's, it's essential. It's of utmost importance that we give close attention to these things. Why? Do you know how much tragedy can be averted by marrying the right person? Do you know how much tragedy can be averted by marrying the right person? There are those who will make shipwreck of their lives, who will encounter certain things in their lives that God cannot protect them from encountering because they've married the wrong person. I'm not looking for an amen at all, but I know there are many out there. And I know, I know I've talked to many. There are many that would say, I'd like to stand up and tell the young people of today, don't make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. I beg you, I beseech you, like Paul said, by the mercies of God, don't make that mistake. Commit your life to God. Trust God with your life. Don't go by your emotions. Don't go by your feelings. Emotional love can be blind, causing you to overlook what God's plan truly is. Submit to God. Look to God. Be obedient to God. Don't neglect what He's spoken in His Word about that. Allow His thoughts to be your thoughts and His ways to be your ways. And so shall it be that you'll avert trouble and you'll avert tragedy. And He'll be able to protect you from many things that otherwise He would not. So, amen. Let's listen to what God is speaking to us this morning and be obedient to give heed to these things. And you can use that scripture for any area of life. Any area of life. It doesn't matter what it is. Any area. Look at another one in Isaiah. Uh, chapter 40 in verse 31. The book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah. In chapter 40. Don't omit that. Don't neglect to do what Proverbs 16 said. Don't be the neglector. Give the more earnest heed. Pay closer attention to what he said. In Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. He is saying, if you surrender your will, if you mortify your emotional lusts and desires and surrender your will to me and commit your life to me, I'll cause your thoughts to be agreeable to my will. And then your plans will be established and succeed. In other words, there's an exchange there. We are exchanging what? Our will and emotional desires for what? His will and His desires for our lives. Amen. Now here is another uh, example of exchange. But they that wait upon the Lord as a child of God, of course, we are servants of the Most High God. It's our responsibility and duty. We are obligated to minister unto Him, to intermingle mingle our lives with Him. 
And that's what the word means, to intermingle your life, to wait upon Him, to intermingle your life with His life. God wants to be a part of our lives. Our Father God wants uh, to, 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 to be involved in everything that we do in life. He doesn't want us to go through life by ourselves, leaving Him on the outside, not getting Him involved in our affairs, in the things that we're doing. If you're building a house, He wants to build it with you. Amen. If you're looking for a job, He wants to look with you. If you're cleaning your house, He wants to clean it with you. Whatever you're doing, He wants to do with you. Why? He wants our lives to intermingle. Why? Because they that wait upon the Lord shall do what? That means to exchange. There'll be an exchange that will take place. When you begin to, to minister to God and intermingle with God, an exchange takes place. You give something up to receive something back in return. See, that's the way God is. That's what true worship really does. It, it, it gives something to God, but you see, automatically, when you give, you receive from God. You can't possibly give to God without receiving something from God. You get in His presence and begin to offer up the sacrifice of praise, you're going to receive something from God. Amen. And here it says that if you'll just acknowledge Him, wait upon Him, intermingle with His life, you're going to renew or exchange strength. You're going to mount up with wings as eagles. You're going to run and not worry. You're going to walk and you're not going to faint. So here we see two scriptures that offer exchange to the believer. We give up our will. We give up our emotional lusts and desires. He gives us His will for our lives. He states the plans, His plans for our lives. He reveals the blueprints, the steps that He has ordered for our lives in return. We begin to intermingle with Him, get him, him involved in the affairs of our life. He says, and then I'll exchange your natural strength with supernatural strength. So that you can run and not weary. And so that you can walk and not faint. Amen. But you see, because many omit to do that. They omit that performance. They don't have that exchange that takes place. And they're operating on what? Either emotional or physical, natural powers. And then what happens? They begin to faint and weary. Amen. But if they would not omit that, if they would not neglect that, they wouldn't be operating in emotional, physical power or strength. They'd be operating in supernatural abilities. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Quickly, we're going to go through these. There's not time to speak about all the areas of neglect. But number one, that was the first one I was to bring out. And I believe I've done, done that to some degree. I believe the Spirit of God to give increase. Amen. Now, the next one over here in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14 Another thing that we should not, we should not neglect. My goodness, don't neglect. And so many are guilty of this. And so many have neglected this. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. Neglect, everybody say neglect not. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Now notice he is talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost. Say this with me. I am not to neglect... The gift of the Holy Ghost. See, oftentimes people will get saved and then they are in a, a wrong environment. Thank God for those who preach and teach salvation. That's great. But you see, they don't go further to preach and teach the Holy Ghost properly. The infilling of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. And so, thank God they're born again and thank God they're on their way to heaven. And that's fine. But you see, we're not to neglect any part of salvation. That's what Hebrews is talking about. We're not to neglect any part of salvation. We are to pay closer attention to the things that we have heard concerning salvation. Why? If we don't, how shall we escape? How are we going to escape? The lust that's in this world, or, you know, all the problems that are in this world through lust. 
How will we escape all this if we neglect the things that God has given to us? Here is a tool that we have, a tool that He has given to us. If we neglect the study of His Word, how in the world is He going to help us if we don't use the tools? If we neglect the Holy Ghost, how in the world is He going to help us? How is He going to save us? Now we're talking about deliverance. Deliverance from the powers of darkness. Deliverance from sickness and disease. And uh, financial difficulties. Marital problems. All these things. How will we escape all these things if we neglect? If we omit the performance of certain things. Okay, let's look at the, how we can omit or neglect the Holy Ghost. John 14, 16, 17. Jesus said, I'll pray the Father who give another comfort and he may abide with you forever in the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because seeth him not. But you see him, you know him. He shall be with you and in you. Amen. John 14, 16, 17. You don't have to look it up, but that's what he said. He said when he left that the Father is going to give you the Holy Ghost. But yet I've talked to people who have been born again and said, well, I don't need that experience in my life. See, they are neglecting a major, everyone say major, a major part of salvation. They are not giving close attention to the things that they've heard. They're just setting these things aside. Saying that it's okay because I'm now a Christian. And once I'm a Christian, it doesn't matter what I do now. It's okay. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But no, you can neglect. I can neglect the Holy Ghost. Number one, how? Neglect to receive. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. Let's read them together. If you'll turn there with me. Notice the Apostle Paul passing through Corinth. Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples in verse 1. Verse 2, Acts 19 says, He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Notice the question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I've asked that question. I've had many say, Well, I've been trying to for 15 years. Well, my brother and my sister, if you haven't received the Holy Ghost in 15 years and you've been around full gospel circles, there's something wrong. There's a definite problem. And it could be because of a lack of teaching. It could be because of a lack of knowledge. It could be because of some things that that you had uh, put within you before you ever came to full gospel circles. But if you've been waiting for the Holy Ghost for 15 years, something is definitely and desperately wrong. It doesn't take 15 years to receive the Holy Ghost. It might take 15 seconds, but it certainly does not take 15 years. And this is an area, it's an issue right here, that the Spirit of God is speaking to me, God is speaking by His Spirit, that He wants emphasized. I mean emphasized this morning. If you're not Spirit-filled, filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues, it should only be because you just got saved and you hadn't heard about it yet. But if you've been saved over a year and you've not been filled with the Spirit, now listen, and speaking with other tongues then you're not giving the more earnest heed to the things that you've heard. And you need help. You need help. I said you need help and you need to seek help. If, if you're not going to get it by looking to the Word for yourself, the way I did looking to the Bible, or looking to the Bible, reading a book about it, looking to the Bible, that's how I received. And then I went to a church and I asked God for one. If you're not doing that, you see, in a diligent way, then you're not giving the more earnest heed because it doesn't take very long to receive a gift that God has. He asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And their answer was this. They said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. 
Well, that's why they didn't receive it, because they didn't hear whether there was one. So, Paul, Paul began to talk to them. And he said unto them, Under what then have you been baptized? He said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, now notice, when they heard this, give the more earnest heed to the things that you have heard. Pay closer attention to the things that you've heard. And if you've been in full gospel circles for any length of time, you've heard preaching on the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues, haven't you? You've heard about the manifestations of the Spirit. Amen? So give them more earnest heed. Why? Because if you don't, that, that'll slip away from you. If it leaks out and slips away from you, you'll get further away from it than getting closer to it. Then how shall you escape? How shall we escape? Because this is God's plan of deliverance. How shall we escape if we neglect to receive the one He has sent to carry out His plan? The Holy Ghost. How shall we escape? That's what He's saying to us. Well, they heard. And when they heard, now notice, notice this. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Well, it didn't take them very long to get the Holy Ghost, did it? I said, did it? No, it didn't. It didn't take long at all. So, you see, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? If you haven't, it may be that you haven't heard of the Holy Ghost. You just got saved. Maybe you haven't learned how to receive yet. But for whatever reason, my brother and sister, like I said, it's not to produce condemnation. It's to let us know. We have got to give the more earnest heed to the things we are hearing about salvation. Set some other things aside and don't come away from this until you've come away speaking with other tongues, being filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, make a decisive dedication of your body members and say, look, I'm receiving what God has given and I'm not going to come from this, away from this place in prayer until I've got it. In other words, get tough with yourself. Get tough with the devil. Amen. And be submissive unto God. That's what he's saying at this hour. Now, also, look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 concerning the Holy Ghost. You can neglect to receive. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 1. You can neglect to receive the Holy Ghost. And maybe there are those, uh, you know, in that... Category. But 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. The word stir in the Greek means to re-enkindle. To set on fire. To keep bright and aglow. You can be born again spirit filled. But yet, you're not stirring up the gift of God. I can be born again spirit filled. Yet, not be stirring up the gift of God. Allowing fear to govern my life. To dominate my life. To dominate my spirit life. Well here, Paul's writing this letter obviously to Timothy because he was having a problem along these lines. That's why in the next verse he says, For God hadn't given you the spirit of fear, but a power of and of a sound mind. So if you'd stir up the gift of God that is in thee, which is the Holy Ghost, if you'd stir him up, then you'd be operating in power, love, and of a sound mind instead of fear, Timothy. So, what's he saying? Timothy, the only way you're going to escape fear and being dominated by it is to stir up the gift of God that is within thee, rekindle the fire of the Spirit that you have on the inside of you. 
Because God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but of power. And power will begin to flow. And of love. And love will be activated. And a sound mind. And your mind will be delivered from all that corruption. All the thoughts of the enemy that he was placing within you to cause fear to come upon your life. So don't neglect that. How shall you escape being dominated by fear? Lest you what? Stir up the gift of God within me. See, some people say, pray for me, brother. Pray for me, sister. My brother and sister, listen, the time is coming and now is. That it's not pray for me, brother, pray for me, sister. But I stir up the gift of God within me. I stir up the gift of God within me. Amen. Why? That deliverance comes. What's he saying to us? Those of us who have been around this kind of teaching know what we're talking about. Listen to me. It's time that the saints grow up. That's what he's saying. That they get off the bottle and grow up. Amen. Same manner, say, oh my. That's what he's saying to us. This is the hour of decision. How else can we neglect the gift of God? Well, look at... Uh, I'm glad you asked that. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm really glad you asked that. Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, here's one. Oh, we hear it so many times. I've heard that, brother. I know you have. But it's time to give the earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Did you hear that? It's time to give the more earnest heed. It's time to give closer attention to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we let them leak out. Did you ever pour water in a bucket only to find out that it's leaking out at the bottom? You don't get too far, do you, when things leak out? You can't accomplish your purpose, can you? Very well when it's leaking out. Well, that's what he's saying. We let these things leak out. And if we let them leak out, they escape us. If they escape us, we're not going to escape the corruption that's in this world. Look at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Didn't we say that we make a decisive dedication of our bodily members so that we could prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God? Look no further for the will of God in this area. Here it is. It's revealed to us right here in the holy written word of God. We don't have to ask. It's right here. This is what the will of the Lord is. Well, what is the will of God? Be not drunk with wine. That should settle that issue there forever. That should settle the drinking issue forever. Amen. I said that should settle it right there. Some say, well, can we drink as a Christian? Well, if it leads you to getting drunk, what's he say? Don't be drunk with that. Don't be intoxicated. There's a drink that the Christian should drink. And it's found in the next part of that verse. But be filled, intoxicated, overflowing with the Spirit. With what? With what? I'm under the influence. <laughs> I said I'm under the influence this morning. They told Peter. They told the assembly there at Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. These men are drunk. They're drunk. He says, I'm not drunk with wine. This is the Holy Ghost that's influencing me. I'm under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Joe spoke of it. Look in his book. Read about it. Amen. The days that God would pour out His Spirit. Amen. Glory to God. I'm under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Be not drunk with wine. People neglect to get drunk. Don't neglect to stay drunk. In the Spirit is what he's saying. How? You know, for the life of me, I never understand people could do it in the natural without saying how. 
I mean, just show me a bottle. I can do it. That's what they say. Well, how when it comes to spiritual things? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spurs. Put something in your mouth. Put a song. Put a hymn. Put a spiritual song. Singing. Making melody in your heart unto God. Do not neglect to maintain a spirit-filled life is what he's saying. But because many have, how, can, how are we going to escape? How are we going to escape? Once again, what time is it? The hour has come. What time is it? The time has come to make a decisive decision to give the more earnest heed, to pay closer attention to the things that we have heard. There's nothing new under the sun. God has nothing more to offer His children. He's given us everything. But He says, now the time has come for us to pay closer attention to the things that we have heard, lest they leak. We don't want them to leak. We want them to stay in us until we get filled to overflowing. We want to stir up the gift of God within us until we are aglow with the Spirit, shining brightly, keeping our armor bright and shiny and clean. Glory to God. So that when the enemy comes in, glory be to God, God by His Spirit can lift up a standard. Can you say amen? So don't neglect that. Don't neglect a Spirit-filled life. Well, we say, what else can we neglect? I'm glad you asked that question. Go to John chapter 13. We'll quickly just give you highlights here. Oh my, very quickly we'll give you highlights here. John chapter 13. Another major issue not to neglect. John chapter 13. As a matter of fact, this is one we have to really look into. Not time to do it this morning, but we have to do it on our own. I, I just can't do it. I mean, I can't preach it all from here. We've got to do research on our own. Amen? We can hit the highlights. I can give you what thus saith the Lord. Then it's up to us to go and do it. Each and every one of us. What else shouldn't I be neglecting? See, this is just like a, a check. A spiritual check. Verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you. John thirteen thirty-four, That you love one another... As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. What ought we to give the more earnest heed to? Everyone say the love walk. Say, I'm not to neglect the love walk. See, the Bible says that we, as a menial, as a servant of the Most High God are to comply with His commands and His demands. And the love commandment is a command given to us that we cannot neglect nor ignore. If we ignore the love walk, now you, you mark this, if we neglect the love walk, if we omit giving attention, paying close attention to the love walk, sooner or later, eventually... Your walk in love will leak away. You will regress back into selfishness. You'll no longer be able to, to be in tune with what God is doing upon the earth by His Spirit. You'll leave an environment where God is active and alive within your life into an environment where everything around you is clouded and dark. You'll lose your vision. 
You'll not be able to see God at work. You'll be self-centered. You'll be self-willed. You'll want to do your own thing. You won't see the good about your family. You won't see the good about your husband or wife. You won't see the good about the place where you go to church. You won't see the good about a lot of things. Why? Because if you don't pay close attention to the love walk, eventually it'll leak. And when it begins to leak, selfishness begins to reign. You develop a judgmental, critical spirit. Your attitudes become wrong. Your desires become wrong. And I'm just, I'm just flat out say it. You feel ugly before God. Your tongue becomes loose. You say things that are very hurtful to people instead of loving people. I, I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm going to say it. I have your permission to say it. I'm going to say it. I get letters across my desk. Some people who've gone away. Some unkind things were said to me. Some unkind things were said to me. People having problems. Some unkind things have been said to me, very hurtful from people I thought loved me. So I can't come back to Christian assembly. I write back and say, I apologize. I apologize for these people who have said these things. You know, when people are hurting and down and out, they don't need our criticism and judge, judgment. They need our help. I said they need our help. Amen. And I, 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 once again, I have to say this. I have to emphasize. It's time to start paying closer attention to what we've heard about love. Because so many are getting caught up in seeing what problem this one has, what problem that one has, and then sticking their nose in what that person's problem is. God doesn't want that. He wants us to mind our own business, to live our own life, be concerned about our own salvation, and work it out with fear and trembling, and stay pure and holy before Him. And then when you have to deal with your brother, do so in the spirit of meekness. Not in an attitude of arrogance. I said in the spirit of meekness. Not in an attitude of arrogance. Amen. So what's he saying to us? It's time to give the more earnest heed to what we've heard about love. You know what? Because what more do you want to hear about love before you start walking in it? Come on. Have you heard? How many of you have heard the love walk? Agape love. You know what I'm talking about. Raise your hand if you've heard about walking in divine love. Love endures long. You heard it sung this morning, so you all better raise your hand. Love endures long. <laughs> love is patient and kind. Love is never envious. Doesn't boil over jealousies. Not boastful or vainglorious. Doesn't play self haughtily. Not conceited, arrogant, inflated pride, rude or manly. Doesn't act becomingly. All that. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, Amplified Bible. Love believes the best about every person. It's time to get back to that walk. I said, it's time to get back to that walk. I said, it's time to get back to the walk of love and not regress back into selfishness. It's, stop, it's time to stop fault-finding and being critical and judgmental and start looking at myself and say, well, where have I missed it in love? Because if it's dark around me, I mean, if, if I have a sense of dissatisfaction around me, I've got nobody to blame but me. You know why? Because the devil's been defeated and we war not with flesh and blood. I said, the devil's been defeated and we war not with flesh and blood. Amen. And greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. God's on our side. If God before us, who can be against us? Who can successfully overcome us? But because many have lift, or drifted from the realm of love, they've regressed back into selfishness. And see, now they're walking in a cloud of darkness and discontent. Well, we've got, we got another moment here. Look at another one. Quickly. You have to write these down. Just write, write them down. Luke 18.1 talks about men ought to always pray and faint not. We cannot neglect the prayer life. 
Why? Because if we... He just said, because you'll faint. Prayer is our contact with God through the Word. Amen? Prayer enables us to, to tap into the infinite resources of our living God. Prayer enables us to release supernatural power and ability that can benefit mankind. Amen? And so, how will we escape temptation? Pray that you enter not into temptation. But so many have neglected the prayer life, so they've entered into temptation. And they say, now, Lord, deliver me from this temptation. He said, I told you to pray not to enter into that temptation, but you neglected the pray. You've omitted a prayer life. Something this country will make it without prayer. If we neglect to pray, my brother and sister, this country won't make it. We never said that the United States will make it because it's going to make it. No, it's going to make it because the believers pray and intercede. In other words, we can't neglect these things. So you see, if we neglect prayer, how are we going, how are we going to escape? Next one, write it down real quick. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. I have to give these fast. It said that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us because we are the heirs of salvation. Doesn't it say that? But the average Christian neglects the ministry of angels. Did you know that? The average believer doesn't even know a thing about the ministry of angels. If you tell the average believer that you can charge your angels, you know what you're going to get? A fight. A theological debate. I've got a couple of scriptures to give you that will put an end to all theological debates about whether or not we can charge angels to go. Are you ready for them? First of all, Hebrews 1.14 says that they're ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation. That's you and me. We are the heirs of salvation. Psalms 103 verse 20 emphatically says they hearken to the voice of His Word. Amen? Okay? So listen to what His Word said. You ready for it? Ephesians chapter 2. This is what His Word said about angels. Find these two openings real quick and uh, maybe we'll make the next one. Ephesians chapter 2 and then 1 Peter. Ephesians chapter 2, chapter 1 and 2. Actually, it's in this prayer that Paul prayed. To do it quickly, let's just look at verse 19. He wants to know what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us word. Everybody say us word. Say that means me. Who believe according to what? To the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, set Him at His own right hand, heavy places, far above all principality. Everybody say all. And power. Everybody say power. Say might. Say dominion. In every name... That's name. Now notice, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, put, everybody say, all things under His feet. Gave Him to be the head. Say the head. Over all things for the benefit of who? Say the church. Say we are the church. So where are all things? Beneath whose feet? Whose feet? Our feet in Christ, but whose feet? It's, he's the head. We are the body. But the head and the body are not two separate entities, are they? They're one. And so, where are all powers, principalities, and all these other uh, forces? Where are they at? Beneath His feet. For the benefit of who? The church. We are the church. He is the head. We are the body. When I go walking down the street, I don't hear somebody say, Well, their brother Bill's head. There's his head going. Do you hear that? That's foolish, isn't it? Well, look at First Peter. Chapter 3, real quick. You got time? We're just getting going. Verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Like the figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He wants us to know the power of His resurrection, right? Now notice. Who is gone into heaven. Where is Jesus at? 
On the right hand of God, that's where he's seated. Everybody say angels. Everybody say authorities. Everybody say powers. Everybody say subject. Under who? Under who? Who's him? The subject under who? Well, is Jesus ahead? I said, is Jesus ahead? Is he ahead only? Does he have a body? Where's that body? Where are angels, principalities, and powers beneath him? I said, are we in him? Do they hearken to the voice of his word? Did he say in his word that they are beneath him? Did he say in his word that Jesus was lifted up to a place above them? Everybody say, I'm in Christ. Well, then it stands to reason if we're in Christ, my brother and sister, that the angels have their place. But it's certainly not above Christ. Stop looking at ourselves as us and start looking at ourselves as the body of Christ. And they're beneath His feet. And so when you say, angels, I charge you to go in Jesus' name, they hearken to the voice of His Word. You can do with that as you please, but think it through, meditate on it. Don't neglect the ministry of angels. Why? You'll, be, you'll miss out on deliverance. Malachi 3.8. Quickly, I just want to close this out. Malachi 3.8. Don't have to turn to it. People have neglected to pay their tithes. Uh, will a man rob God? Doesn't have anything to do with the nation of Israel. Will a man rob God is the statement. Are you a man? Talk, talking about not, you know, male, female. Are you a man? Both. Male, female. Doesn't matter. Will a man rob God? Malachi 3.8. How? In tithes and offerings. See, we can't neglect to pay our duties, obligations unto God. If a man robs God, how's he going to escape? How's he going to escape? Financial difficulties. Amen. See, people don't see it that way. When you see things spiritually, they're in reverse. They're the opposite. Some say, I can't pay my tithes. I can't afford not to pay my tithes. If I ever get to that position, I'll do it. You'll never get to that position unless you do it. Oh, dear Lord, we're really getting off. This is an eternal principle of God's Word. Tithing didn't come with the law, came before the law, during the law, after the law, and it's all in Christ. And if we're in Christ, He's worthy of our tithes. Can you say amen? amen. So let's not neglect to do that. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.